Hi, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. Today is Friday. I'm here with Dean Stevens. So, Dean, thanks for taking time out of your, your almost weekend to do this podcast. <laughs> sure thing. Glad to be here. So what we're going to talk about today is something that we are still working through how to explain this to other people. It's something we both see a lot of value in that everybody in Leading Agile sees a lot of value in. But a lot of the things that we do when we're helping organizations transform um, they're not always like the big, shiny, sexy things. And some of the stuff is stuff that we have to do to get a better understanding of what's going on in the organization or to help the organization figure stuff out on its own. And that's one of the things we're going to talk about today. So, um, so Dean, how would you explain capability mapping at sort of a, a very high level to somebody who's not familiar with it at all? So, so the concept of, of a capability, the way that we use it is, is uh, and I'm going to use it as a business capability about what does a business do? Uh, what are the what are the you might almost say what are the business processes the list of business processes then and, and you want to identify the 60 or 80 big business processes that, that a business does and, and the, the point is what is the outcome or the benefit because it's a different way of looking at uh, uh, value and performance and some of the other things that we want to look at to do that so it's what the business does sort of specifically broken down okay so, so I was just at a bank a couple of weeks ago doing a class, and one of the things that became really apparent was that there's going to be a lot of challenges with them in adopting Agile because of the way that they have grown. And it's not just technology. It's, it's like how every aspect of this company is, is weaved together. Nothing can be changed without changing 70 other things. Um, everything is so kind of tied together and, and dependent upon one another. You can't just fix one thing. Um, part of my understanding of the capability mapping is that we want to use it to be able to break off the pieces that we can start to make adjustments to and optimize. Is that fair to say? That, that's right. It's a way to identify those, those different pieces. Uh, and while it may be uh, technically all woven together in the background like spaghetti, you want to identify what are those uh, pieces that are valuable on their own if you could unwind them. And, so com and common as well, right? Because you might have the same thing existing in like eight different places in the organization. And if you do this well, you can identify uh, where those eight different places where you're trying to identify client information. Okay. Like, and you're doing it separately. Now now you can consolidate this. So I want to explain the non-sexy part and see if you can make it a little more spicy. So. Basically, what we're talking about is you're going to have to go into your organization and identify all the things you want to be able to do and all the things that are required to be able to achieve those outcomes and then find the places all throughout your organization where they exist and basically remove waste from the system, which to me sounds almost like accounting at a functionality level just to try to tune things up. And it would be a lot of work and a lot of effort, but... What kind of results do people get on the other side of this when they work through it? So, so it actually can be done. You, you said a lot of work and a lot of effort. What I'll tell you is that um, we've done this as part of a discovery in as little time as as uh, three weeks, where oh, that would wow. be at okay. a higher level. But we can act. You can actually go in and interview people. Don't even know that you're you're necessarily doing this specifically, and do some analysis and 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 ask some questions and come back with a a heat map or a capability model and say, we think these are your biggest opportunities. We think these are your opportunities to streamline. We think these are your opportunities to outsource. We think here's your technical challenges. So it's a way to 
very quickly get a bunch of that information and then come back and, and, and validate with the client that we think these are opportunities and challenges. And okay. because we've got the information from them, they'll go, you get them nodding their head yes. They don't even know you've done the capability analysis. Okay. So can you give an example? Like uh, what, what's a simple way of explaining to somebody like something you've seen happen where you've identified this stuff and been able to remove some of the waste? So I may go into a uh, particular area of a business and say, give me your, give me all of your process charts and give me all of your data and pull it together. Um, and, I, and I'll map it up into a list of capabilities. And I'll talk to them about, uh, you know, what's valuable and how's it working and where are your problems. And, and I'll pull in some technical folks and say, what are the technical challenges in supporting this and, and be able to, uh, uh, to identify what we're looking for is, um, what are those items that are uh, uh, valuable if we could make them better and improve the performance of them? Uh, that's kind of the key to what we're looking for. And then also, why is that hard technically to, uh, to, to do? Because you can find those things, you can leverage a little bit of effort to get a bunch of value. Okay. That's what we're looking for. So which knobs do we want to turn and what do we expect to happen and, and how hard is it going to be to turn them, basically? Yeah, that's right. So I was at a place this week and we were talking about prioritization. And one of the things that became apparent to me was that there were probably like 40 different factors that they had to consider when trying to prioritize across the organization all the different things they could do. So it wasn't just like you can use Kano or Moscow or whatever. Um, and... The other challenge here was that they couldn't really figure out how to decide what value actually was. I mean, do you find that when you start to have these conversations, like you just brought up value, do people have clarity on value, what's most important? I mean, or is this part of figuring that out? Well, well, there's, uh, there, there's a couple of approaches that I use to help people understand value and decide how they want to um, articulate value. One is... Um, uh, cost of delay. It's a right. great concept around three different parameters to, to look at that. Another one is, um, uh, are, are we talking, and, and you can actually slice it by all three different ways. Is it customer value? Is it business value, which means we can make money on it? Or is it strategic value? Uh, okay. Which means that it's something we have to do. And I'll actually ask questions around all three of those things to identify, you know, what's value strategically, what's valuable money-making, because now we have clarity and shared understanding, we can have conversations around around what we mean by value. Okay. So, is it? I, I'm gonna. I want to check in with you on this because I might be little man on an island by himself on this one. But it seems to me like this is a level of mindfulness or awareness that an organization would choose to have about its business that would obviously make them more sound and more competitive, but um, it is a level of self-examination that I would assume most companies do not get to that point. Like they're just, I mean, especially the ones that are just trying to figure out what their process is, you know, they, <laughs> like you're talking about, about process charts. They don't even know what that is or how to put those together. Um, this is for organizations that are really trying to understand themselves and come up with the best version of their organization that they can, correct? It, yes, it's, it, it's a way to, first of all, get a, um, what I'll say is a lot of executives, a lot of people who've been in whatever business they're in, sort of implicitly understand what some of the problems are yeah. by articulating them in capabilities 
and becoming explicit in sort of what's underperforming and what's valuable or not valuable uh, and, and being explicit in some of those things, uh, it actually brings a bunch of alignment and shared understanding, which you have to have before you can move forward in lockstep, right, to, to actually go execute something. So it yeah. helps get shared understanding and alignment on what is before you can decide where you want to go. So if people are thinking, if people are familiar with the quadrants that we, you know, usually encourage our customers to kind of work through, it, uh, am I correct in assuming this is probably not something you're going to be digging too hard into in, in, at the first base camp? Like you're going to be kind of maturing a little bit before you're ready to do this. Is that correct? Well, you actually, we actually need to, um, let me go back to the three things. We need to have teams and backlogs and working tested software. So how do you come up with a team? The idea is that if I identify the business capabilities that you're trying to do and which ones are valuable and which ones need improvement, then I build teams around those things. So that's, okay. that there's some probably some steps in between that. Um, but, I, but I build teams around those things and I provide budget to how much do I want to invest in those things. And I also now have sort of a method to prioritize to invest in those things that are valuable and broken and not invest in those things that are actually working okay, right? Uh, suitably, right? Um, I also can identify what to, what to sell and what to outsource because I, I now know the, all of those things. But I have to, the, the key here is I, I want to be able to, to see it first. build my teams based on, built based on, the state of the capability, and I yeah. want to be able to organize my backlog based on the priorities that reveal themselves there. Okay, so this might be the sexy thing, so I want to check and see if we found it by accident. <laughs> so I'm always going in there because I'm teaching, you know, CSM and CSPO classes, and I'm saying you need cross-functional teams. Like, just put everybody together. You, you got to have all the roles represented. But with what you're talking about, let's say I had a shared service database team, like, and that, and they're working, like it's it's humming along. Maybe we don't need to mess with that. Or maybe I've got a support team that is using some other approach or they're not even using any you know, formalized methodology or set of practices. If that's working, maybe you can leave that be. But when we talk about, if I'm, if I'm going in and saying build a cross-functional team, what you're saying is before you're trying to build a cross-functional team, you've got to understand what that team has to do. Or what the company needs That's them right. to be able to do. So, so it's not just let's take all the PMs and make them scrum masters, but let's figure out what we have to be able to achieve, and then find the people in the organization or external to the organization that are best able to do that. Is that? That's right. And 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 it's about in technology. It's about how do I provide technology support to build to to build and improve a capability to provide better business value like okay. we're talking about. And so I'm going to build teams to be able to help do that. Yeah. Uh, I'm also going to now have conversations with my business to provide stories and features and improvements and work that also align to those same capabilities in the same state. So now I'm teams and backlogs yeah. can all be, this is a picture or using the capability model that was get aligned. Okay. So it seems to me like a lot of organizations are so busy just trying to slap the bodies into another category of, on you know on an org chart that this is maybe not something I don't know if it, if I would say it's something that they they're unable to see but 
even if they are, maybe they choose not to look at that because they're thinking about headcount and we just can't get rid of people. Um, how do you how do you articulate? I mean, beyond greater awareness and greater understanding and removing waste, like how do you explain to them? This is what you can expect will happen once this is or is has been set up and is in play. Like, what is the outcome they can expect to see? So, so initially, what they're going to get is they're going to get some more strategic focus. They're going to have um, alignment in in uh, strategic alignment in in what's important and where our focus should be, and then with some discipline and some some continuing to use the tool, they'll be able to maintain their focus on, on what's important. So it's a, it's certainly a focusing tool and, and, and in all things lean, it's, it's, it's where are the areas we shouldn't be spending time and money. We kind of sure. all know where we should be investing, but this helps us understand we shouldn't be investing more money there. We should be outsourcing that. We should be streamlining this instead of improving the, instead of making it better. It, 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 it helps you, Within, in all of those areas about focus, where to focus and where not to focus. Do you think, is, is it fair to assume that in a lot of organizations, something like this, you know, you're talking about where not to focus, this could present a threat to certain parts of an organization or certain people within an organization. Like if I'm in a department that we figure like, oh, this is mostly waste. <laughs> we should just totally ship yeah. this outside. Then I'm going to try, I mean, that that is a threat to me as somebody who works at the company. So I mean, this could be um, create a lot of difficult or challenging conversations that an organization has to have and, and, and push them into making a lot of conscious choices and decisions as to whether or not they want to be more sound or just stick with what they have, right? That, that, that's right. It's, 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 it's facing the reality of the situation. So I'll give you an example is um, uh, Doing accounts payable, you, you you need to be good and competent at it, but you only need to be so good and competent. You don't need <laughs> to be a market leader in accounts payable, right? right. So, um, uh, you know, there was one story, and this is good, just a very briefly is uh, there was a lady who was great at doing expense reports and managing the whole expense system for a company, and um, she was like outstanding and on the ball and did a great job, and came to find that salespeople were spending over six hours a week making sure that their expenses were correct and instead of selling, right? And so, so how good do you need to be at your expense policies if it's costing you time selling? So it was a, it was a, a different focus. And she actually was really cool. She actually acknowledged that that was the case and we needed to figure out how to make the salespeople more productive, not be great at paying expenses. So right? there, so, so there is some waste me. that we want to keep in the system because it's just not worth getting rid of. Yeah. Well, it's not, it's not, it's not so. So I, I, I actually don't use the word waste a lot. Even okay. in a lean sense, how do you there, use there's it? There's things what, what that are use? different levels of value. Like you know, some things are necessary, right? Um, they may not be uh, market disruptors or really cool, sexy things, but they're they're just necessary to run a business. Okay. And there's actually a lot of stuff that businesses do, and you have to be competent at those, but you don't have to overperform in those. Okay. And you don't need to do those 16 times. A lot of times you'll find people doing expense reporting or the, some of those miscellaneous administrative things eight different times in a in an organization where they could just maybe do it once and save a bunch of money. So that's okay. the there's a cost savings aspect to it. Okay, and this is going to help you make those decisions. 
Right. Okay. So I, I want to jump back up a level. There's something I was sort of hoping you'd walk through with the capability mapping because I read it a couple of times and I heard you talk about it and I didn't, I don't know if I fully grasp it. So can you explain the thing about how most organizations have a solution, but maybe they don't understand what it is they're trying to get to? Like the whole thing with the questions and asking the question differently. Yeah. So there's this thing, it's called, it's called a how trap in the, in the, the, the paper you, you mentioned. Um, so the idea is, well, it's just like that, is that um, uh, the classic one is uh, I want to be able to uh, share an invoice uh, or, or, or pr- present an invoice to a, to a customer, for example. Okay. Um, that's, that, that's my intent. That's sort of what I want to be able to do, make, you know, share an invoice and so that they can pay me. Um, if I say it in terms of, uh, I'm going to fax an invoice, then it feels like we're back in the nineties, right? To, to, to faxing an invoice. And if my requirement was always, I want to be able to fax an invoice, then nobody faxes invoices anymore. Or hardly anybody does. If, if they are, they should stop. Use some <laughs> other way to do it. So, so the requirement's not get better at faxing an invoice. The requirement is how do I get better at sharing this invoice information so that I can get paid and we can streamline that process. And so by asking what is the outcome I'm trying to get to, it lets us think uh, outside of how we're currently doing it into how we might uh, do it better. So do you, is it fair to say, like if I'm in there teaching somebody user stories and they say, I want to be able to email or fax or whatever an invoice so that I can make sure the customer knows how much they have to to pay. I mean, that's a pretty specific thing. Doesn't specify how, and I'm I'd be kind of psyched about that from a user story perspective. But what you're saying is we need to focus more on the capability we're trying to achieve. I want them to know how much they have to pay. Then I want to fax, email, carrier pigeon, whatever, this particular thing. It's like what at a business level. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's user stories actually try to get to that same what. Even in a user story, you don't want to say I want to fax. An invoice because it's it's because it's providing the solution baked into the user story, um, and, and and maybe that is a solution, but it doesn't give us a chance to think of think of options. Okay. If we do that. So in a certain respect, we're kind of abstracting some of these things and leaving them more open when we talk about the capabilities, um, to give ourselves more freedom to understand the problem better. Yeah, to to, to understand the problem, the outcome. Uh, what we're what we're really trying to achieve and the benefit we're trying to achieve, and then be able to talk about solution options uh, outside of how we are currently doing it today. Okay, so I want to go I want to go back through this step by step because hopefully we're going to be able to do a couple of these. But you would be in an organization, start to ask them these questions, start to understand what capabilities they need to achieve, figure out what they have, what they don't have, what kind of people are required to achieve these, and then build teams that are specific around capabilities instead of what we have now, which or what we have many organizations have, which is teams built around job function. And right. rather exactly. than just slapping together a bunch of random scrum teams, we're going to build teams that are specifically or intentionally created to, to help work on some particular outcome that we're trying to achieve. Um, that's right. And this level of awareness helps us understand what kind of people we need and what, you know, where, where they might end up going instead of just randomly shuffling people into another job category. Um, 
helps us understand where our gaps are and helps us prioritize the work that we have to do so that we can have these teams be able to work on the things we're trying to achieve. Yes? Yeah, that's yeah, that's that, that's pretty well said. We want to be able to build teams to deliver better capabilities. Okay. Um, and we want to provide backlog around those same capabilities describing the benefit we expect to achieve, not specifying solutions. Okay. So teams and backlog. So so last question about this. Um, what is it that it generally because what we just described seems like common sense, but which of those pieces are not happening now? Like what are most organizations just not, they're just not lifting up the rug and looking under it deep enough. Is it, is it understanding the capabilities or is there more to it than that? So, so this stuff makes sense. A lot of companies will build teams around application. Yeah. Um, applications might do a whole, might deliver a lot of different capabilities, but we build teams around supporting these applications. And what that, means that we're not doing is I might have eight different versions of managing customer information yeah. in there. And and now and so that that's a problem in bigger organizations. You really want one view of the customer. So okay. until you break it out and look at it sort of the in capability point of view and you're continuing to manage just applications or even worse, just sort of functions, right? Right. You know, database people, developers, the you know, that sort of thing. Those are those are both uh, areas that we're trying to correct. Okay. So so in the article, I'm, I'm going to link to the HBR article. One of the things that I found a little bit confusing about it, it's, it's almost like two different articles in one. I mean, the first part of it's making the case for SOA, and it, it's from 2008, so which that explains. Because I was reading, I'm like, wait, why are they talking like this hasn't happened yet? It's a 2008 yeah. article, why, why SOA is going to be a big deal. And then it starts to talk about the capability mapping. Um, I think to me, at least my interpretation of it would be, it's not really about SOA. It's more about, it's one of the things that we're always, Leading Agile is always talking about is you have to, you want to try to set up your business so that these things are treated almost like separate services. So we could change this one here without disrupting everything else. Like the bank I talked about in the beginning of the podcast, they can't change anything because it's all knotted together. And, and we want that, those kind of discrete areas as much as possible, right? You, you want to be able to, to uh, form teams to build the solutions based on the architecture you want to have in the future. It, it, it ends up looking like services in a lot of cases. So, yeah, we want to be able to, to build teams that look like the architecture we want in the future to deliver those business capabilities. Which and, is and remove dependencies. Well, what you're actually doing when you build teams around capabilities is that it makes it really hard to build anything because you have to now manage all of the all of the dependencies. Well, here's the thing: those dependencies were already there. You're yeah. just making them visible so you can break them now. And so there's actually, in our language, moving into base camp one. What we're doing is we're organizing in a way to expose those dependencies, and it actually causes pain to start with. But we have to, but we're doing that on purpose. We're making the problem visible making the dependencies visible so that we can uh, perform and deliver value better in the future. So you just said causing pain, which to me is, I think, 
I think any one of us would say, yes, if you do this, you know, any kind of transformation, it's going to hurt like hell before it doesn't hurt. It's like being that, you know, getting in shape. You've got to do a lot of work and work through all the stiffness and the pain before you're actually in shape and then it won't hurt as much. Um, but that is a scary thing for a lot of organizations and they would rather just close their eyes and pretend. Um, so it's, I guess the, the other thing I wanted to check in with you on is I mean, to me, this almost seems like this is an offering that we have. It's something that we think is a really good idea, but it's not going to be for everybody. It's going to be for the people that are, their game is at a level where they're ready and open and willing to look at the dirty, scary stuff, the painful stuff and say, yeah, let's go deal with that as opposed to the ones who are just sort of like, let's just buy this agile thing and plug it into the wall and make everything agile. And I don't know well, if I'm so supposed think, to say that or not. I just wanted to check in and see where you were. No, you can, no, you can, no, you can say that. So, so, so what the customer gets from buys from leading agile is not the capability modeling. What they buy is a good solid way to form teams and to organize backlogs around capabilities. Yeah. That, that's what they get, even if they don't know how to do it. So, um, so we should do this every time. Sometimes we uh, do it in a couple of weeks and do the best we can and uh, get started. And then because we're incrementing through base camps, we'll continue to do that. Yeah. Uh, and, but, and, and, and sometimes it, it's really cool though. When, when the light bulb goes off for a client, they go, oh, wow, I, I see what you're doing now. I get it. Yeah. Because um, you almost have to demonstrate it to them and let them see it. To, to be able to get it, then, um, uh, yeah, then, then they're, they'll, they'll invest more in it. I, one, I get, one, one sort of follow-up note to that is sort of um, just went to a really, really big, like really large client that we currently have. They, they'd already adopted a bunch of this stuff. They already were doing business capability modeling and trying to, they were trying to do some of this stuff already. So it's cool to see that over the last 10 years, this has taken root. Okay. Yeah. I, the, the, the place that I was trying to get to was that, a lot of the stuff that we do is not necessarily going to be for everybody. I mean, we get calls from people all the time and we're not necessarily the right answer for everybody because we are going to want to push for looking at stuff at a level of depth that maybe they're not ready. Maybe they're not at that point yet. Um, and I think that that's okay. Um, that's I, what I was a little bit scared about when we were talking about it before was that somebody who doesn't even understand the basics of why they would want to transform or what they're trying to get to would start trying to do capability mapping without understanding why. Because it, it makes me wonder if that's going to actually help them with anything or not. Um, it's like that fitness thing. You have to get to a level of fitness before you can achieve some of the things you want to achieve. Or am I? Yeah. Or, no, well, well so, so if, if, if we... Before we show up, when we're when we're talking to clients, we, we talk about teams and backlogs and working tested software and this capability thinking or modeling is how we get to form teams around capabilities, build backlog associated with those capabilities, and deliver working tested software to deliver the benefits of those capabilities. So so really this is sort of like the the framework that we do our thinking to build to form teams and build backlog. Yeah. Whether we do it explicitly or not, that's what leading agile does. That's how we think about it to form teams and build and, and organize backlogs. Okay. So if people want to learn more about this or they, they want to explore the possibility of doing it, um, or just if they have basic questions about it, um, what's the best way to get in touch with you or to get in touch with leading agile to find out more about this? 
Yeah, so so uh, feel free to touch me. Uh, leadingagile.com has their contact information there. Uh, and has my contact information. It's Dean at Leading Agile. Uh, you can shoot it to me. I love talking about this stuff. So, yeah, feel free to reach out and uh, uh, and ask questions. All right, so, Dean, thanks a lot for doing this. Um, if, you, if you have questions, you can obviously contact him. You can also send them to me. There will be contact information in the show notes. If you'd like us to go deeper on any of, this, on any of the topics related to this, please let us know, and we'll be happy to come back and do another podcast on it. So, Dean, thanks a lot. Sure, thanks for having me.